0: Amen. Amen. Alright. Well, children, we're going to let y'all be dismissed to Children's Church. Everybody say we love you, Sister Candace. Amen. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah to the land. It's a good day. It's a good day. Praise God. Well, I like to start with this because I need it. So hold your Bible up. E-version or tree version, paper or electronic. Say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And live by His Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. There is a story in Mark chapter 5. It's also in the... Gospel of Matthew and Luke. But it's about a man who's possessed by what the Bible says is a legion of demons. And you can kind of do some research on that. A Roman legion could be as many as up to 2,000 and Scripture really kind of bears that out. Just throw this out because... You may go and read the account in Matthew. Matthew is the one who says that there were two men. And Scripture doesn't tell us anything about the second man. So I'll just give you Wilsonology. I don't believe that the man accepted Christ. For some reason, he either ran or rejected Christ what was being offered. He didn't change and his story was lost just as he was lost. But now let me just give you a little bit of background. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 had just taught the parable of the sower sowing the seed which of course is the Word of God. That's a whole different sermon. And after that Jesus tells his disciples Go to the other side of the lake. or you, if, if you read the scripture, it's always interesting. To me, there's, there's two or three names. Uh, you have uh, Lake Tiberias, uh, Lake Genesaret, the Sea of Galilee. It's all the same body of water. But Jesus tells them, go to the other side of the sea. And of course, there's a storm. But then Jesus calms the storm and they arrive on the other side. Here's the importance of that. That wasn't just a whim. Where Jesus said, I think I'm kind of tired of being over here on this side of the lake. I think I'll go the other side. The Bible tells us Jesus only did things that the Father said for Him to do. He only said those things the Father gave Him to say. He only went where the Father wanted Him to go. So what does that tell us? That tells us that God went to great lengths... For someone who was on the other side of that lake, the man that is often called the madman of Gadara or the demon-possessed man, he was that important to God that God said, I'm sending my son and he's going to go over there. Jesus did not do a crusade over there. He didn't go through the whole area and all, all through the cities. Jesus went over there and it was one man that got delivered. One man. At that time, there was one man. The whole point of that is that, you know what? God will meet you where you are. And you're important. Important enough that you're in this service. Important enough that God's Holy Spirit is stirring already and speaking to us. So now Jesus and His disciples, they arrive on that shoreline in the country of the Gadarenes. A man comes out of the tombs. You know, we're never given his name. I always thought that was kind of interesting. But he comes out of the tombs, and and tombs, it's the graveyard, y'all. They didn't dig down into that rocky ground. They they actually built above-ground tombs or used caves that were already there. Typically, it was tombs that they would build from stones. And that's where the dead would be laid. And the Bible tells us a little bit about what's going on with this man. He lived in the tombs. In other words, he lived among the dead. Hmm, we'll get into that. We don't know, but he probably scavengered for food. That could be a couple of things. He could have, you know, just found food wherever he could find it. Or it could be that. You know, uh, in in those days, many times, uh, because of the paganism, people would bring food for the dead, and they would leave it there, uh, and he would probably pick that up. But somewhere or another, he was at least scavenging for food. He was not clothed. Now I don't know if that means he was completely unclothed, or what, or if it was just barely wearing some rags, but probably for various reasons, uh, including him tearing them himself. He had stopped wearing clothing. He had a supernatural strength because of the demon possession. People had come out. They had tried to chain him. They had tried to bind him. And he would just rip the, the bonds apart and break them. And he was obviously out of his mind or deranged. Insane, if you want to use that word. He would cry out day and night. He would cut himself with stones. You know, the, the whole point of that, y'all, he was in torment. Satan will offer you the world and give you nothing but torment. He'll offer you pleasure and it may last for a few seconds or even for a short time. But then I guarantee you the pleasure that Satan gives will turn around like a rattlesnake and bite you. Somebody say amen. Amen. He was in torment. And I'm going to just make an application right here. You know, not only in America, but literally around this world, there is an increase in demonic activity. Yes, there's always been sin. There's always been demons. But I believe we're watching in real time the degradation of our society. You know, the Bible, or excuse me, I looked up just a little bit. I'll give you Bible in a minute. But th- this actually is statistics. Biggest liars in the world, Ananias and statistics. But now nah, I'll hit you on the way home. But in 2010, 26% of all sheltered persons who were homeless had severe mental illness, 34% of all homeless. Adults had chronic substance abuse issues. And the world isn't going to use the term demon-possessed. And it can be argued that not all mental illness is caused by demon activity. But y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are homeless or they're they're in the shape they're in because of demonic activity. And, And the devil is just running rampant with people. Now, I labeled three different areas that this man had going in his life. And I think it tells us something, and we can apply some of this to today, but it also just shows us where his condition was. Number one, he was dwelling among the tombs. Of course, we said that, but I want you to understand that. What in the world does that mean? He lived in a culture of death. And right now in America, and actually around this world, there is a culture of death. The abortion industry is demonic. It's evil. It's the killing of the innocent. There's movies, I mean they've done zombie movies, they've done every kind of movie under creation, and... Most of the movies that Hollywood puts out, you caught that, did you? Are are the deal with death. The video games. And many people think that these contribute to some of these shootings and some of the violence. They're all about death. We live in a culture of death. Secondly, he could not be bound. Well, there's a spirit of lawlessness this prevalent in our world today i would say it this way unrestrained evil unrestrained evil even right here in america we've got certain cities that are right now overrun with mob violence with what they're calling now smash and grab looting that's the new shopping spree our justice system is completely broken Criminals are allowed to go free. Law abiding citizens are punished. You know, we've got right now, we've got the leaders of some of these cities that defunded the police and now they're screaming for help. A little late. Thirdly, he was cutting himself. And y'all, you know, there's a spirit of self abuse, self mutilation. And I'm going to just put it real simple. It's because people are in torment. I don't go a whole lot with psychology and I'm not against psychologists. It's just that typically they may label a certain situation. They may label a problem. But they really don't have an answer because it's based and rooted in just human experience. Jesus is the only answer. But psychology will tell you that most people that that do cuttings, that do all of these different things to themselves, it's because they're in torment. Their heart is just, they're struggling. And when they feel the physical pain, the emotional and the, the mental pain seems to lessen. As it was with this demon-possessed man, so it is in our world today. I kind of ask this question to myself. Why would anyone in their right mind take illegal drugs that would probably could be laced with deadly fentanyl? Well, the answer is real simple. Just like the demon-possessed man, they're not in their right mind. Why would anyone want to mutilate their own body and pretend they're of the opposite sex? (laughs) Why would anyone want to give a life-altering surgery to their children for the same reason? Y'all, that's not psychological. That's spiritual. And it's a demonic spirit. Don't hate the person. Hate the demon. Now, the Bible says no man could bind him. And that just simply tells me that you cannot fix these things with human effort. Won't you think about that? You can't fix it with a politician. You can't fix it with, with another government program. You can't fix it with some sort of educational program. It can't be fixed by human effort. The only thing that's going to set people free is the presence of Almighty God. And i got to stop right here because you need to understand that. What was it that got this man delivered? All it took was Jesus showing up. All it took was getting in the presence of Jesus. It didn't say they had to go and drag him out of the tombs. Jesus showed up on the shoreline and he ran to meet him. Let me tell you something, y'all. It doesn't matter how many demons are involved. He had at least 2,000 demons in him because there were 2,000 pigs. <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't matter how strong the devil's got a hold. It doesn't matter how how. How long it's been going on. um, This this didn't happen one day. You know, he was walking down the street and all of a sudden went just totally berserk and and started ripping his clothes off and running around screaming and all like that. No, I guarantee you, this took some time. And it was something that was a process that took place in his life. Until he wound up in the shape that he was in. But I want to thing we got to understand is that all it took was the presence of jesus all it took was his presence now the bible tells us that jesus commanded the demons to leave i love that there is no argument with it they had to go and there's a great theological question. Why did Jesus allow him to go into the pigs? Now this is deep and theological, y'all. I have absolutely no idea. And by the way, that's a joke. <laughs> I figured some of you needed to laugh a little bit. I I don't know why he let him go into the pigs. But he went into the pigs. Which tells you this was a region mostly inhabited by Gentiles. Because if it had been Jews there wouldn't have been a herd of pigs. It might have been sheep but it wouldn't have been a herd of pigs. And the ones who were watching over the animals ran back into the city. Well where do they go? They don't want to get in trouble for all of the (laughs) the pigs getting killed. So of course they're going to the people who owned them. And when they get there, you know, they tell them what's going on and what happened. And all of them follow them back out there to where all of it had taken place. And when they get out there, what do they find? Now, you got to, again, y'all, sin doesn't take place privately. We think that, oh, well, nobody sees me. Nobody knows what they're, people know what we're doing. I mean, you may can hide some things for a little while, but I guarantee you, people know what you're doing. You know, I, I remember, and this is kind of in my notes, but I, I I remember when I first got saved, man, I tell you what, we were we had moved from Oklahoma, we had lived in Ponca City, Oklahoma, which is almost in Kansas, and we had moved down to uh, uh, Bridgeport, Texas, and we were living there, and I was still living with mom and dad at that point, and uh, Judy and I weren't married yet. And I remember because in, in Oklahoma, where I finished high school, I mean, there were a lot of times, I, I guess I never really thought about it, but you know, I probably thought, oh, nobody knows you know, what I'm doing, and nobody knows the stuff that's going on. Y'all, that, you're lying to yourself when you say things like that. Because I guarantee you, everybody knew about me. And everybody knew about my reputation in school. And they knew the crowd that I was running with and, and the mess that I was getting into. And all of this kind of thing. And, and so, I mean, for me, you know, I, I'm kind of oblivious to it. But they all knew it. And we went to a, a large Baptist church at that time. It's called Second Baptist. That's catchy. I mean, there's First Baptist, so they won't be Second Baptist. And... But it was a large church, several hundred members there. And I remember, now we're we're moved from there. We're we're living now in Texas. And my sister, older sister, is still living in in, in Oklahoma. And so I I go up there. And I don't know why I went up there. I guess I was just visiting her. But God had a plan. Because I remember getting up there. And and I wanted to go to church with them. And so we went to Second Baptist. And I remember getting just i'm just blessed by the service and i mean it's amazing when you get saved that you know all of a sudden these preachers they start making sense and all those scriptures that you used to kind of go huh you know all of a sudden they make sense and, and it was a, it was just a good service do i remember all of it no i don't but i remember it was just a blessing and for some reason or another i remember just kind of the holy spirit stirring me I didn't tell them I was going to a Pentecostal church down there. But anyway, the Holy Spirit was kind of stirring me. And I I just, I didn't plan on it. I just caught myself at the altar call. I just, I just was headed towards the front. And when I got up there, the pastor was a wonderful man of God. He was just very gracious. And I remember, I don't remember exact words, but I said something to the effect of, you know, I'd like to just share my testimony. I'd like to share what God's done in my life. And again, it never dawned on me. I guarantee you that pastor knew exactly who I was and what my life was like. So, I mean, he was excited. Glory to God. Wilson got saved. This is awesome. And here I I get up, and I mean, I'm standing in front of several hundred people. And it never even bothered me. That was the amazing part. And I remember getting up there, and I I don't remember what I shared. And it probably, it it, it was just three or four minutes worth was about all it was, but I gave my testimony. I gave my testimony. And y'all, I still remember that. Because those kids I went to high school with That altar filled up with kids, with teenagers. In tears, it filled up. (laughs) I'm gonna go back to the demon-possessed guy. The crowd from town came. The Bible says they found him sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. You know the part that really always kind of gets me every time I read that? I think of it, I guess, almost every time I read that. It didn't bother y'all because you had to know it because you had your herdsmen out there and you had your pigs out there. And this stuff has been going on for no telling how long where you've got this guy out running around out in the tombs and yelling and screaming and crying and the herdsmen would hear it at night when they were trying to get the pigs still and all this kind of thing. And here he is out there running up and down in the tombs and screaming and cutting himself and and going just totally crazy and being totally crazy. And that doesn't really bother them. But when they get there and the guy's sitting at Jesus' feet and he's got his clothes on and he's in his right mind, that bothers them. Do you realize this world is upside down and sideways? Yes. Evil is called good. Good is called evil. Right is called wrong. Wrong is called right. The world's crazy. (laughs) But this is about the power of testimony. And where does that part come in? Well, in verses 17 and 18, they began to pray Him, Him meaning Jesus, to depart out of their coasts. And when He was coming into the ship, He that had been possessed of the devil prayed that He might be with Him. But Jesus said, "Jesus, the Scripture says, Jesus suffered Him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I think you've picked up, I mean, this man had a family, probably. Now, he could have had a wife and children, who knows? But he, he, he definitely had a mother and father. We don't know how old he was. But he went back into town. He could have even been a businessman at one time. Because he, it just kind of gives the sense that there were a lot of people he knew. And it says that he went back into Decapolis. <laughs> and he began to share his testimony. I want to read this to you. It's in Matthew 14, and I'm sorry, Quincy, I don't have that up. Matthew 14 34 through 36. Now this is sometime later in Jesus' ministry. And His disciples had been back on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And now it says when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of Him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Now, y'all, it takes a little bit of digging because in the different gospel accounts there's different names given I believe in what we read in Mark it uses the term Gadarenes it may use that name it may use Genestrid it may use Gadara and as it was when Jesus sent him back home it uses Decapolis is somebody confused? no It's all one region. Decapolis was an ancient metroplex of ten cities. So what I want you to think of is like this. What about for us, Chicago, Illinois? In Chicago, you can look this up. Do your Google due diligence. The principal cities that comprise Chicago are Chicago, Naperville, Elgin, Gary, Evanston, Des Plaines. And there's a whole list of townships that are all part of that metroplex. Same thing with St. Louis, Missouri. You've got St. Louis, St. Charles, Centralia, and then a whole lot of smaller suburbs, townships, that make up the whole greater St. Louis area. Well, why in the world is that important for us to know? It's important for us to know because the Bible didn't get confused. And when you really look all that up, what you wind up understanding is that Jesus sent this man back into the cities. Back into where his family was. Back into where all of these people that he knew were. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this just real quick. There's... Some people you can go testify to, and that's where you leave it. Because they'll try to pull you back into the lifestyle that got you crazy in the first place. Amen? But you can go testify to it. And Jesus sent him back in, and he began to share. And remember, Scripture tells us, oh, they wanted him to leave. Get out of here, Jesus. You're, you're messing stuff up. I mean, you just ruined a whole lot of bacon. Amen? But the, the point is this. Sometime later, and it could have been weeks. It could have been a, a month or so. But sometime later in, in, that, uh, in Matthew chapter 14, they had come back over into that region, into the same area. And now when they found out Jesus was there, instead of trying to get Him to leave, now they're bringing people to Him that are sick. Now they're bringing people to Him that need to be delivered. Now they're bringing people to Him that, that, that have demons in them. And You know, Scripture doesn't go into all of that, but I, it just tells us now they're bringing them to Him. What in the world made the difference? The difference is one man's testimony. One man who went back and he began to share everywhere he could go. And when people would see him and they go, Isn't that that guy? That... No, that can't be him. Yeah, it is too. That's that guy that was living in the graveyard. And they knew him. And I guarantee you, it, it, it didn't matter whether the man went to Walmart or whether he went to the gas station or whether... Okay, maybe they didn't have Walmart, marketplace. But you got the idea everywhere he went he was sharing his testimony and here's our message y'all our job is to give you testimony you don't have to be a theologian I started a sermon off not too many weeks ago the antithesis of the presupposition is a diachronic dichotomy everybody knows what that means right You don't have to be, where you got fifty-dollar words memorized. You know, you don't have to have a whole lot of degrees. You can have thirty-two degrees and be frozen. Amen. But y'all, the whole point of it is this: we've got we've got a testimony we can give. There's a story in Scripture about a man who was, was blind and Jesus healed him and, and later on here's all these Pharisees and doctors of the law and all of these people you know they wouldn't know God with a red hat on and they're, they're arguing with him and, and you know tell us your story again and you know and the man finally looks at him and says look I'm one thing I know I was blind and now I can see I used to, <laughs> in other words I used to be bound and now I'm set free and he finally asked them, he said, do you want to get saved too? And then they really did get mad at it. But y'all, we've got, to, we've got to give the testimony. And all you need to do is share what God's doing in your life. What happens when you do that? Well, number one, it strengthens your faith. Number two, it gives the devil a black eye. And thirdly, it opens the door and brings to Jesus. Amen. All because of the testimony. Of one former demon possessed man. Multitudes get healed, set free, and find eternal life. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's in this place right now. And Father, I pray that the Spirit of God draws. And Lord, that you use this to bring multitudes to the foot of the cross. I don't know if you can play it or not, but if you can, if you know that old hymn, just as I am, without one plea, but that his blood was shed for me, I come. I come.